Blog Talk Radio. Good morning or evening, depending. It's midnight, and uh, I'm broadcasting at midnight because I'm up and about and excited about what I want to want to explore with with everyone. So you have reached Venus Unplugged. I am Lorraine Nightheart, um, and uh, what we do here and Venus Unplugged is what. We're trying to dial up your inner compass of Venus. So it's an inquiry into the mystery and art of living through the archetype of Venus. And uh, she represents beauty and love. And uh, if you piss her off war, she's both dark and light, and she is the principle of creation. So uh, she's not just a pretty face. She's got some serious powers. And uh, so we want to make her more conscious. I have a theory. I've been uh, a mentor, a soul mentor, and psychic and Jungian-inspired soul person um, for many, many years now. And uh, I see more and more that one of the greatest fears at the heart of humanity is beauty. They fear it. They fear Venus. And very often it shows up in our longing or in our sense of loss. We're longing for something or something we feel that we have lost. We don't know what it's about. And, you know, we've got all sorts of theories around this, but very rarely do we realize I'm missing um, my sense of connection to Venus, to, to, to beauty, the principle of it. And that's why heart making can be so painful. It's the longing, it's the remembrance, it's the pulling. And we also have a society that pushes her out into the regions and splits her off between Hoover and Madonna and all those cultural events. But where what we're going to be talking about now, now now is the um, the Mother Matrix. The Great Mother, as she is referred to in fairy tales. So, in each epic that humanity is evolving in and towards, or de-evolving, depending on the epic, um, the Great Mother, she has a central position, both in causing cultural disintegration and at the same time creating something new. And if you haven't noticed recently, it's like she seems to be working overtime. And she's the archetype which pretty much dominates modern psychology. But she's seldom consciously recognized or attended to as a super personal force. Actually, on the contrary, you know, people are most mostly under her spell as a witness of the rampant materialism of our time and a clear manifestation of a destructive side. So you didn't know there was an archetype behind all that, or perhaps you did. So as a result, the archetypal mother in previous ages was an object of devotion. And if you look at prehistoric, you see these exquisite goddesses and, and uh, made out of stone and clay. And what's interesting, there are no findings of male deities. So she obviously was an important figure in the in the world 
humanity. Right. So there was this, in the previous ages, there was an object of devotion, and, and therefore she was a source of this psychic vitality. And she has become the cause of life-destroying tendencies. And, you know, we have science, which is highly important, but is chiefly used to exploit nature. So we want to we start to look at, what, you know, an attitude of service towards the Great Mother, recognizing her as power superior to human beings is very rare. Although people are becoming more and more conscious of Gaia and that principle that all is connected and there's real effort so much more than ever before, but still not enough. And it needs to be deep within ourselves, not just the love of nature, but also, you know, as the guiding principle in in the depth of our psyche. You know, she's definitely involved in everything, whether you're aware of it or not. So the nature mother turns on those who are not aware of their limitations. She doesn't go for that, particularly the limitations of intellect with which one so often identifies. In such a state of mind, one uses nature irresponsibly or for purely selfish reasons. So we need to understand Mother Nature or Earth Mother or Mother Matrix, she wrecks vengeance. Just look at some of her storms, or you know, she stops everything. You can do all the praying you want, and have all the intellect that you want, and all the science you want. I can protect us to a degree, but when she rips it, man, she rules. So just a taste of the center of a storm is enough to have us understand her power. So, in stories or in fairy tales. Uh, the Great Mother appears as the ruler of three spheres, also in dreams, all right? Uh, she's in the underworld, and she has the power of death. On earth, she's the goddess of fertility, and in the heavens, she illuminates. So you're not getting out of Dodge without the Mother Matrix. She also represents three aspects of time, the past as the old woman, the present as the middle-aged woman, and the future as the young girl. And as the earth goddess, she is mediator between her heavenly and her infernal traits. As the present, she links the past with the future. As a totality, she is the eros principle. And eros and Venus... Our sidekicks, and she is in, and she is inspired nature. So she has her vengeance, but she is also inspired. So, but what's missing from this trinity, okay, is the masculine divine spirit, the logos. And without discrimination of the logos, the feminine archetype cannot be brought into consciousness. So there comes that secret four, which is so powerful in in, um, alchemy. But it also represents the throne of Isis, the cube. So uh, we we need that. You know, this is part of what the patriarchal development has been about. But that's one that's where that's 
worn out and we're moving into another evolutionary link. So the thousands of years of evolution of the masculine spirit have also served the purpose of consciousness of the feminine principle, which can only be accepted as an equal partner by a mature spirit. So that's what that looks like. Uh, And today, there's really not a choice between alternatives, either the male or the female principle, but of knowing that spirit, too, is born of the life of nature and that nature needs spiritual enlightenment in order to make its sense clear. And now for an individual, and in the language of uh, the Jungian psychology, this means a man needs to develop his anima and a woman her animus. Anima is the animating um, archetype within the male. Animus is the male principle of spirit within the woman. So a man's spiritual attitude will become sterile if he's not capable of letting in nature or a rational life. And for a man to develop, his anima really means linking himself with nature which is the same as a relationship with the unconscious. While in a woman's life, uh, it becomes barren if she's unable to find spiritual sense in it. In the depths of her being, she is nature. Hell hath no fury, right? There we have it, as nature. So, but without a developed animus, she has no conscious relationship with the true base of her of her existence. So the archetype of the feminine, the female divinity, has been completely submerged. And we're trying to bring her up there. And we want her dark and cathartic characters that have been suppressed. Is when people ask, "Well, is it good or is it bad?" Well, it's you know, it could it could be her light, it could be her darkness. It's still her. It's still or or any of us. We favor one; the other one's going to get stronger. That's why we want to integrate the opposites. So, uh, or if we look at it in terms of the Christian mysteries, you know, the the birth of the Savior, but they couldn't they couldn't carry that that one out. Uh, because there could be no savior, you know, ever born without a divine mother. So the feminine principle must be involved if a culture is to be profoundly reconstituted. No comprehensive renewal is possible without it. So she's the deal, right? And since the archetype is an immortal part of the psyche, an archetype, and particularly what we're talking about, the mother archetype, and that doesn't mean one's personal mother. That is the archetypal mother. So this uh, this archetype is an immortal part of psyche, and it keeps reappearing even if it is neglected by institutional religions or just plain old ignorance. So it produces the imagination, produces the imagination in folk tales and in novels, and it's in the symbols of alchemy, as well as in dreams and fantasies. The supra-personal female figure keeps reappearing in her unique nature. 
These are all individual experiences that are the origin of the collective imagination. So uh, the feminine principle for so long forced below the horizon of consciousness is re-emerging in a more developed form than before. So that's part of why so much is happening in the outer world. She's she's returning. She's coming up. And meaning she's always been there. We can't take a breath without her. But uh, we're becoming more conscious. And it's also why, you know, the women are waking up and they're, I mean, they've always been waking up, but really like developing their, their animus, their masculine, their masculine principles. Not what a society says, but what is unique of their animus. They're stepping more into politics. They're taking that form. So it's all being work, woke, woken up as never before. So this is one of the great signs. So she's she's in there too. You know, women have always been in touch with themselves, but this is there's a whole new happening here. And men are really beginning to, not beginning, they've always been there. I mean, they, you know, they, I think that's one of the greatest secrets as women that we don't understand is, you know, not to screwball men, you know, but really men, men, you know, they really, really love women and they really want to make them happy, but so often we don't give the hints properly or we get, you know, or, or they don't really know, but they do try. You know, when you see that even like little boys, you know, they're going to bring you a dirty rock or a dead frog or, you know, your cat will bring you a dead bird. You scream, but you you know it's love. Well, same thing happens. We have to help one another. So, you know, it's very important in, in what is happening now. Nobody's against anybody, but we are beginning to understand how important uh, this mother matrix is in all of us. And so that we find the beauty. So, you know, in a sense, of course, women have always been in touch with themselves, but more, uh, you know, it's like new wine needs new new skin. So the archetype has always required a new understanding in tune with the times. So our mother matrix is awakening in tune with the times. She is the times. I mean, it's not that she is becoming something. She is forever and eternally an isness. But we're we're refining her isness to develop the culture and hopefully to bring the culture further. Because God knows it feels like it. it's a slippy, slidery slope right now, but. I don't really believe that's the true power. I think this mother matrix is going to, is kicking in. So women need to understand that their true natures are new and not identify themselves with the male side, but to come into a new understanding, uh, their female character with the help of a little masculinity. So there are a few women nowadays uh, that do not identify with the negative animus when it is constellated. Because when it's constellated, this has a destructive effect that you cannot believe. Well, we all know. We've, we've, you know, you, you'll walk away and think, what? 
and why did I just say that or do that or what is it about? So the negative animus is, you know, all that opinionated shit, which doesn't really hold anything. I have it on the highest authority. You know, it's hearsay. It's gossip. It's tweet. Tweet is so much could trigger the negative animus or anima carrying on all over the place. So we are, you know, if we can understand, like, oh, man, I just really came from that place. Or, shit, you know, I really let my shadow loose. And now sometimes we have to allow, consciously allow. You know, you say, shadow's got to do some walking. So you can do it in active imagination or you can, you can, you know, fantasize about the re- the brilliant revenge theory you'd like to work out and let it live, write it, dance it, you know, uh, play around with it, and hopefully uh, let give it enough libido that it doesn't have to slip out in the middle of an inconvenient truth, right? So that's part of how we work with it. We don't deny it. We let it live. But hopefully we give it uh, some containment, some healthy boundaries. So that's part of uh, what Jung was talking about in, in terms of, you know, individuation or uh, attention of the opposites, being able to take the opposite parts in, in any particular person or life experience and integrate them. So with Jung, who felt his he was working scientifically his method uh, both in clarity of his thought and in use of factual data so the consequences was that he drew from with the discoveries of depth psychology in general but uh, there's a need for science and others such as historians to know the conditions of their own psyche for that they must develop the function which can mediate between their conscious mind and their unconscious this means consciousness of the psychological figures of the anima in a man and the animus in a woman, which more often than not operate unconsciously. So let's say, in, you know, with a scientist, uh, if he's not aware of his anima, his feminine principle, you know, that he, he doesn't get the full story. So if he if he learns to pay attention to his unconscious and to adopt kind of a receptive listening posture towards the voice of nature, you know, he'll have a dream, kind of like Einstein. You know, his theory of relativity was kind of a waking dream. So he saw it. So with the scientists, let's say what dreams tell him is truly natural. He had the great goddesses at work. She often knows more than he does. And she has great wisdom to offer with astonishing beauty. Astonishing beauty. So a woman, you know, is born with this plentitude. I mean, they just, you know, they're born with it. Uh, But in her case, her inner partner, the animus, must give her the chance to process and give form to all she has so that the female nature she takes in uh, from does not simply reclaim her values. If she has a relationship with the unconscious, a woman is brought in touch with the supernatural figure who is her own true nature. 
It's her own true nature. The animus is her own true nature. However, which she has uh, long forgotten. So thousands of years of, of cultural evolution have forced her to give up her relationship with this principle. Now, we shan't have that anymore, shall we? Nope, nope, nope. We have to really, this is so, it's imperative. What's the most important work to be done for those who are chosen to do it? Not everybody's chosen to do it. So, you know, the whole kind of story of being cast out of the paradise of the merely natural uh, to develop our consciousness. But Mother Nature is always there. You see, the feminine archetype is the principle of nature. Got it? Feminine archetype is the principle of nature. And that's how we regenerate ourselves. So this principle, it, it, it looms large in times of cultural change. So obviously, we are going to have some serious uh, episodes of Mother Nature in the next, let's say, decade. Let's be kind and stretch it out. Because no culture can be regenerated without the maternal matrix any more than any individual can. So there's this kind of like deep, it's not a kind of, it is a deep split, whether in an individual or a whole culture. And it cannot be bridged without a descent into the collective unconscious in which the original unity is still present. So the unity is present in the collective unconscious. So those journeys we have to make uh, are not only for ourselves and our own development and evolution, it's for the culture. So we hopefully give our time and our love and our money to have a little culture, but we also have to give our our soul awakening so in the quiet of your own being you're part of this great shift that is always happening I don't think this is like a special time for a great shift anytime I mean she's she's never still I mean she's always working Just, I mean people may be repressing and not paying attention but the phenomenon of the spirit is met in its original form it's mother nature and that's the new spirit. So the archetype of nature, or, or nature and the mother, is the principle behind the phenomenon we experience both externally and in ourselves, our bodies, and our unconscious minds, our natural phenomenon. So in both we can observe natural processes of ego consciousness and, and the ego consciousness does not experience it. It's going on. I mean, if the ego had to be aware of what the body was doing, we wouldn't get past the first breath. So for that reason, the process of becoming conscious can only start for us with experiences connected with the body, which often knows more than the mind. 
I mean, I I know that personally. I mean, 30 years ago when I when I started this tour of duty in the underworld, it it consciousness literally started with a pain in the ass. I had a sciatic nerve uh, attack that that was brutal. It was crippling. I couldn't walk. I went to the doctors and the witch doctors and the rich doctors and everything, and I couldn't get healed. And somebody mentioned chiropractic and the time I, you know, I've always lived in New York. Uh, I was living in the, what they call the Silk Stocking District over on the east side, and someone said, oh, there's this chiropractic. And I couldn't even, what's a chiropractor? But I was in such pain, they could have said there was a, there was a voodoo doctor, I would have gone. Okay. And I uh, went to the west side, the forbidden west side, which, of course, I adored, and uh, went to this chiropractor. And he adjusted me, and within that, 30-second of that adjustment, you know, I must have had, like, some kind of, which I didn't understand at the time, it took another 10 years for me to figure it out, that I had this total Kundalini experience and, like, everything broke loose and needless to say, you know, Mother Goddess, who was biting on my ass because I wouldn't wake up, got released, and suddenly I started to understand some things. Uh, And so... uh, it's funny how these things happen. So within our pains and within our suffering, you know, have a discussion with Mother Nature. What is she trying to say here? What does she need from you? I mean, obviously she needed me to wake up. And uh, that's how that one happened. Right? So with, with this understanding of, of this part, you know, that this phenomenon of spirit and its demands. It's only when spirituality has become barren and lifeless that humanity longs to be back with nature in the hope that a new spirit and a new light uh, with which to transcend the state of mere naturalness would manifest. We long for it, and there is a great longing in today's world, and yet we are frightened of it too. We do not know if we will meet like a helpful fairy uh, uh, on the way through the forest or an evil witch that will poison us and turn us into a beast. And also we feel that way sometimes when we go into the depths of the unconscious or trying to understand uh, dreams. But when we start to become more conscious and uh, we begin to face this helplessness, within ourselves we begin to understand uh, look at look I mean look at the increase in astrology I mean it's epic what's happening people are starting to understand that there there is a language uh, in the stars and the moon and forces okay you know and and the situation is is similar in psyche because the light of consciousness is so bright compared with nature's light in the psyche uh, that one can hardly make it out. And this is why we have fairy tales. Because they're great epic etiquette and journeys to seek the lights of nature to obtain and help advise us. So I've just got my uh, 90-second... Ending here, okay. 
So in the in the realm of dreams, of course, is Mother Nature. She is Mother Nature. So it's the continual change that's Mother Nature herself. But as long as a person is unconscious, one also remains pure nature as far as one's psyche is concerned. Now, subject to constant change of death, rebirth, and development, nature is eternal change. So if a person's real nature makes itself felt indirectly by a neurotic symptom, my neurotic symptom of, you know, a sciatic attack, there is still, uh, you know, I, I had to find this way. I didn't understand it. You know, there's nothing like 20, 20, 10 years later hindsight. But I'm glad that I became aware of it rather than not. So often the hero or the heroine in fairy tales understands the language of water or of animals. Same thing happens in the language of nature. That's her language. So we are left with letting our inner nature turn us to either like a a dumb animal whose sensual experience no longer comprehend or else to understand the language of animals and its instincts, which is spoken to us in dreams. And we can interpret this language and we can grasp some of what uh, Uncle Carl Jung termed the absolute knowledge of the unconscious. Contact it with it will increase the scope of our uh, excessively narrow and one-sided consciousness. So don't forget to send a Mother's Day card to Mother Matrix. Okay, boys and girls, happy trails. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.